What's up, everybody? Josh and Jay back with another fantastic edition of the America is Blue podcast. A lot of positivity to get into today on the show. With me, as always, to break it down is my brother, Jay Himmelstein. If you guys like what you hear, just a couple of American boys harping on some shells, smash the like. Check us out on Instagram at America is Blue podcast. We love the feedback. We love to interact with everybody and break it down for the blues. But Jay, Stanford Bridge, opening weekend, a 1-1 draw with Liverpool. Give me some of your first thoughts out of the gate. Seems like we might have a proper side on our hands here, brother. Dude, that's exactly how I've been feeling. It's just, you know, it would have been great to come away with this one with a win. That would obviously have been ideal. I think we probably could have come away with a win, given the way that the game flowed. But um, there were so many positive things that I saw, just strategically speaking, with the effort that the boys were putting out there, with the fitness that they displayed. We have an actual competent football team to cheer for and to back, which is so fucking refreshing. Um, it's it's great to see. So I'm hoping now the more time these guys have together, the more development we see from the younger guys, the more coaching that they get. I think we are definitely on an upward trajectory, which is, which is awesome. And it feels good. And uh, you want to embrace this squad already, just seeing the effort that they were putting out there. They're already endearing themselves. They're showing it's a new brand. This is clearly, you know, a, a new side, not the same, you know, group of guys from from last year. And you hit on my my favorite two points, man. Fitness and effort. Those are the two things that are just, you know, completely within the realm of your control as a player. And everybody laid it out. Not everybody had fantastic performances, but everybody's effort was commensurate with the badge and the expectation of the people in the stands and the millions of people that watch them from around the world. So glad to see that turn around. And it's definitely a reflection of Mauricio Pochettino. Can't wait to see what he continues to do to this young group of guys, because we know that he has the ability to to get the most out of these dudes. And we're the youngest side in the PL. And it's, it's so cool too, because you're like, wow, we got a lot of young guys on a lot of long-term contracts we got some guys that we added that we'll get into a little bit later on and some guys that we think we're going to add. But as far as Liverpool, Liverpool is concerned, I think right out of the gate, we saw a surprise you know, tactical change with Mr. Pochettino going three in the back with your boy Eli Colwell, a debutant in Axel Disasi, which neither one of us saw that coming, and the Rolls-Royce Thiago Silva. Back three. It was shocking. I mean, we didn't see... I think in the preseason, we caught I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes of playing with a back three in one of the games. Not much. For the most part, we were running out Pochettino's traditional 4-2-3-1. I think we were expecting that. It's like if it, if it wasn't broke and we were playing fluid football, you know, why fix it? And after, you know, given the personnel that we had and after watching the game, I understood why we were doing it. I understood that he saw that we had certain strengths and certain weaknesses in certain areas of the field that he thought that we could exploit. Um, and having wingbacks that were going to be flying up and down the field was going to allow us to take advantage of it. So, again, these are the type of things that we were just missing for a long time now, is just seeing the, the tactical and strategic element of your skipper taking the ball of clay, molding it, and getting these guys out there and getting them to perform at a high level. So. Um, I think it was smart that we ultimately ended up doing that. There were a couple of other decisions that were made from a timing perspective that I did question. I would say, namely, um, yeah, we were we were hammering the right side for most of the game. 
I would have liked to us to maybe shift that up a little bit earlier as opposed to bringing Mudrick on at the very end of the game with only about you know, 10, 12 minutes left. Change that up a little bit to attack Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's generally and widely known as a shitty defender. Yeah. Um, but again, there's not a lot to complain about as far as the coach's decisions. I think he hit on almost everything. Well, you know, it helps having the best right back in the world available, and it helps having the best left back in the Premier League available. That definitely helps. Um, and look, I'm just happy. Also, Reese survived. He, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't come off injured. Uh, you know, granted, he he was replaced by Malo Gusto, but it was just nice to make sure that he walks off. Newly minted captain. We need him for the long haul. Let's make sure that we we keep Reese James available and fit. He ripped in some really nice crosses. He and Raheem Sterling, you know, started to to make things difficult for Liverpool. And and let's not forget. We were on the on the back foot the first ten twelve minutes of the of the game. Liverpool were really taking it to us, and then you know, letting Mo Salah onto his left foot, he finds Louis Diaz and puts it into the back of the net. Um, but look, I didn't have that same feeling as we did last year. Of course, everybody has a little bit of a sinking feeling giving up the first goal, but the guys didn't drop their heads; they got right back to it. And, uh, you know, started to make things difficult. And we absolutely, uh, you know, deserved that that goal. And and seeing the debutante bag one at Stanford Bridge, first time on the pitch, pretty special moment for him. That'll endear you to the fans, too. Yeah, I mean, I was I was concerned. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. I, we, we came out flat and we were playing like shit. Everybody had heavy touches. Carney Chukwameka was all over the place. Axel DeSassi was pretty rough for, I'd say, most most of the first half. He came on and kind of found his groove as the game went on. He wasn't very good. I saw some poor touches from a lot of guys that were on the squad, um, and Liverpool were having their way with us through the midfield. The entire center of the park, they were absolutely owning us. So I was concerned. Yeah, Gak- Gakpo was giving us problems, for sure. Gakpo was giving us problems. Salah. Uh, he was pressing the shit out of us and creating problems. Yeah. Alexis McAllister looked really sharp. So I, I was sitting there and I'm like, man, we just, I, I thought everything was going awry, honestly, because we went to this different formation. We had new guys on the field that haven't been with the team very long. We didn't have everybody that we would have wanted out there in their ideal positions. And it was terrible. It was, it wasn't even just like serviceable. They were nervy. You could see that they were excited and juiced up. And I was concerned because you're wondering if some of the elements, like the the, the mental shit that creeps in from what we experienced last season after they give up that goal and after Liverpool continually threatens and Salah bangs one off the post and you're just seeing these gaping holes. Salah being left one-on-one against Levi Colwell consistently. I mean, Colwell did great and stood up, but it was like, how many times do we want to roll the dice with that? And it was the same thing we saw in some of those preseason games was to see these guys have the urge and the fire to punch back, to find it and settle in and get into their groove and start to earn the possession back. So that that was probably the highlight of the entire game for me was seeing them turn around what was a very rough start and say, you know what, we need to have some faith in ourselves and we got this and then they deployed it. So I thought that was the highlight of the entire game. Well, yeah, going one on ones with with Mo Salah is, is not a recipe for success, uh, you know, against against Liverpool. But look, you know, I was surprised to to learn at the end of the match it's sixty five percent 
possession. When, when we it was owned all the entire rest of the game. We yeah, owned I mean, the was, entire was, rest of the game. Pretty impressive. There, yep. There's no doubt. But, you know, there's a couple other things that we had to hint on in the in the first half. Nico Jackson, though he did not produce, he he definitely should have should have converted or or done done more with that cross initially for, from Reese. Yep. Other than that, he was doing things that like, you know, I don't know, strikers do, striker stuff. He he seemed to to show up at the at the right place, right time, uh, a lot of effort running off the back shoulder, holding the ball up, able to keep some, you know, possession and and let the support come to him. So, good good to see him uh, at least start to 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 get himself uh, you know immersed in the side. He will continue to develop. Um, had some hard work from your boy uh, Connor Gallagher playing in the pivot with with Enzo. We gotta we gotta give him some credit where credit is due. But the absolute star of the show, no doubt, entire match, Enzo Fernandez, looking like that hundred and twenty plus million dollars is not going to waste. That dude has a world class engine. The skill on that dude is unbelievable. And now I guess we can just maybe just mash it into the conversation here. With Moises Caicedo joining him, the joy I now feel in my heart that I think we are going to get to see Enzo Fernandez completely in his element, gloves off, allowed to just focus on pure creation and football rather than, you know, kind of full-time defensive duties this is going to be very interesting man this is going to be very interesting all right so there was a lot to unpack there um let me start from the back nico jackson is the man i don't know if he's ever going to be a world-class striker but he does everything well he's strong he's fast the one finish was a little disappointing it happens to everybody no problem but the threat that he poses to these guys' back lines is a problem. The pace that the he's run at the to, end of the game, the too. Power, wow. He's a problem. So probably our I mean, we'll see, we'll see what turns out at the end of the window, but probably our best signing. Probably our best signing. I mean really important. Definitely the most valuable, the most efficient, the most economic oh, signing for money? what we're getting there. Value for um, money, for sure. If he can stay healthy and if he can continue to play this way and be this all-around striker that does everything well, gangbusters on that. Um, Raheem Sterling started bad, played well, fell off a little bit, but at least it was positive from what we saw in the pre. I mean, he couldn't gotten much worse, so good for him. Chukwameka looked at a at a sorts. He, he didn't show up very much. You could see the nerves were rattling him. Enzo, the man, back line. Except for Desasi at the beginning, I thought he was off the pace a little bit, but overall excellent performances. Before we go over to his replacement, I want to talk about Connor Gallagher because I have to. <laughs> because I have to. It would. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be an it's, America's Blue podcast without it, your it, it feelings on It wouldn't. Connor. It wouldn't. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you know, given the signings and given the rumors, I'm, you know. I'm more and more convinced he's not going to be part of this club for, for very long. And as much as I commend him on the effort, as much as I can commend him on the work rate, the tackles on Mo Salah, I think there were two of them that were pretty spectacular. I mean, really A-class amazing stuff. So I'm going to give him his due and give him his props with all of that stuff. But I don't want to see him ever again. I just don't. Um, 
and there is a personal vendetta. And I don't, everybody knows I don't like him. But when I see Tiago Silva barking at him incessantly, because he's always doing the wrong fucking thing. If you look at Tiago Silva, when he's looking for an outlet somewhere in the middle of the park, he's constantly yelling at him. Just as a stupid fan who doesn't know any better, I'm going to assume that Connor's doing something wrong as opposed to Tiago Silva just barking at him because he just wants to bark. Given that you're talking about a legend versus a guy who cuts holes in his socks. Um, the other problems I have is just, again, there, there was some feast in his game yesterday, and I appreciate the effort, and he was playing out of position, but there's just so much famine. You could see for major parts of this game, guys were avoiding passing him the ball. They were literally avoiding giving him the ball because the turnover rates and the timing of the turn and the type of turnovers when he gives the ball up, the lack of any sort of creativity when it comes to passes going forward. Perfect pivot point. I just had to get that out. But because I noticed because obviously I don't like the guy. So I stare at him. Go. If we watch him again, just just pay attention for like 10, 15 minutes about how much they avoid him. They will pass all the way the hell around him. And I get it. Maybe he was outnumbered as far as what was going on in the midfield. We had Enzo playing up the pitch a little bit further than we would have typically anticipated. Okay, great. But Jesus Christ, you would just hope that the guy would have some composure on the ball. And he just doesn't. And that's concerning to me. And if you mix that up with inability to be positive with his passing moving forward, the inability to be creative when it comes to transition, uh, poor touches, some of the turnovers were egregious and the giveaways were egregious. So, again, feast and famine with that boy. Um, And I know a lot of people are singing his praises because of those tackles, and they were awesome. But I just – now for the solution. Now for the solution as somebody who can play in the midfield literally everywhere, and obviously we drop a literal fuck ton of money. I mean, I've been watching a couple of highlight packages. I literally hadn't watched any because I didn't – I didn't – everybody, oh, yeah, I know he's really good. And all that stuff. Until he was actually signed, I didn't allow myself to indulge. And I indulged a little bit today. And I okay. cannot wait to have this guy in the side. I mean, right, would you like? Tell me what you saw and tell me what you like. Oh, just, just, he's going to give us the ability to go from defense to offense transitionally so much faster. He's going to have, I know that he's going to build up a chemistry with Enzo. They are the perfect pivot for each other because Enzo still has, you know, defensive skills if necessary, you know, given the situation. And the same thing with Caicedo. I feel Caicedo is comfortable enough on the ball. I wouldn't feel bad with him advancing up the pitch with it. You know, he, he he's not a guy that bothers me. Um, he's got the, the requisite amount of creativity to still be dangerous and not just a one-dimensional guy. But he's going to protect and defend the entire back line. He's going to make Colwell better. He's going to make, you know, Tiago Silva that much better positionally because he's going to afford him more angles, more time, more, more situations. The guy understands how the pitch works. And again, another young player who's going to be able to take instruction from Rizzio Pochettino. He is going to make our midfield completely strong, getting it out on the wings to Reese James and Ben Chilwell. Come on, man. That is a real recipe for success. And if we can get some finishing up front, Forget about it. We've got a real definite chance to co- to compete. Yeah, the, the money is unfathomable to me. It is um, crazy. But, it, you know, 
I guess it's the going rate. I mean, there was a similar amount of money spent on Declan Rice. I'm not comparing the two players, and the circumstances were different because we had a bidding war and all the bullshit and buildup. Um, but if we take the, if we leave the price tag out of it, if we leave any sort of the economics out of it, um, he's gonna unleash Enzo Fernandez finally because Enzo's been locked down and has been chained to a post. Um, he's a tremendous defensive stopper. He's got. He's everything you said. He's got the ability to move forward. He's good with the ball at his feet. He can pass. He can unleash a counter. Um, watching the game yesterday and seeing so many positive things from all the other guys on the field and not having that guy there. Not having that guy. Like when Enzo hadn't eventually had to fall back toward the second half and at the end of the first half, because again, they were just working us through the middle of the field and we needed the extra body back there. You could see that when Enzo received the ball, he's cool, he's calm, he's collected, and then he was unleashing these guys. He was playing these perfect little lob passes right over the top, hitting these dudes in stride. I have another guy on the other side who maybe doesn't quite have that perfect touch, but can absolutely do those things and can move up and can allow Enzo to be more creative and free roam. The uh, the returns on that investment on the pitch are going to be exponential for everybody. He's going to unlock cool. everybody. His position is just at such a premium right now. You got to have that guy. Arsenal went and got Declan Rice. Man City already has Rodri. You know, we got Moises Caicedo now. That's, you know, Casemiro. That, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to have that guy. We finally have the guy. We, it used to be N'Golo Kante for us. Yeah. Now, now we've got Moises Caicedo. Yeah, what you, would, you, you, what would you pay for N'Golo Kante right now in his prime? What would you pay? Oh, Caicedo money. More. I mean, it, it, more probably. Yeah, I mean, it's just... yeah. So, so I get it. The, the, the money thing is still mind boggling to me. And I, I still have this little inkling of concern that at some point in the next year or two, we're going to get slapped with something. Cause well, as much we, as I trust we, these we guys and sell... trust their business acumen, it's just, it's insane how much money is just flooding out the door. And it's like after this, another. Another defensive midfielder, young guy who's a great talent, and then maybe we're going to get Elise, and then maybe we need to get another striker, and then maybe we need to figure out a way to throw some money out to have a backup keeper. Like, it, all it right, is, it is bonkers. This isn't is it? fantasy it's, football. It's, it's stupid. just bonkers. Yeah, but I, I hope hey, we don't get into trouble. And and look, Con- Connor's going to get sold. I think uh, you oh, got to sell Trev. I hope so. Uh, Keppa's going to go. Uh, Lukaku's now definitely going to get sold to the Saudis. That Neymar's going. Um, I hope so. I sure hope I, so. I, I I hope that 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 you know works it works itself out. But look, man. Bottom line is after Mo Salah hits the second goal, it gets waved off. We got a chance. I lost my mind for a second when I thought Chile scored that second one, <laughs> and we were going bonkers. But um. Look, you know, scoring against Liverpool in t- two times in two minutes is, you know, granted, they, they give up goals, but scoring twice in two minutes against a, a good side, even though he was a fraction offside, it still just shows that we have the ability to, to carve somebody open and to take advantage of, you know, uh, moments of vulnerability in, in the opposition. And hopefully we can continue to exploit that stuff and, and just continue to, to put it together. Yeah. But, Look, that's man. the other. That, I guess that's got to be the other disappointing thing is that we we were going up against a team that does not have a defensive midfield stopper, which is why they were bargaining with Brighton to get the same dude, 
and has a leaky defense and we were only able to actually bag one. And the chan- the actual chances, like the real chances to score were fairly limited. So they still have some work to do with p- putting it together up front. But I think I think the dudes are there. Maybe a little bit of reinforcement with the winger. And again, we're, we're on the right track. We're at the start of something that's going to be very fun. No doubt. And then just, you know, back to the CDM thing. It used to be Fabinho for them. They had their dude. So that's it just continues to show that, you know, how important and what a premium that position is. But uh, look, bud, guess what? We're back to doing Man of the Match, which, as always, is brought to you by All Out Fitness. Chelsea with the 1-1 draw at Liverpool, Jay. Opening weekend, who is your Man of the Match? It's going to be boring because we probably got to go with the same guy. It has to be I mean, Enzo. There's only, there's only one choice. Enzo. It's and Enzo. I, I, I always hate when you, we pick the guy who's already been like proclaimed the man of the match. Uh, but, dude, the guy is just – he's special. He's so good with – he's so comfortable and cool on the ball. He's confident. There's no phase in his game. He plays these perfect balls over the top, unleashes the attack. And, dude, I, that's the best part about Kaiseido. It's the best part is that we finally get to see the dude that we bought when we splashed all that cash on Enzo. So I can't, I'm sure he's the happiest dude in the room. He's like, fuck, thank God, finally, I can actually do my thing. So that's going to be a awesome. 200, a 230 million plus midfield. It's so it's stupid, it. dude. It's pretty, so stupid. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive stuff. So, Jay, we got West Ham coming Wait, up uh, at the I'm weekend. assuming you're, you're man of the match? Yeah, I said it's Enzo. Okay. You know, I, I, did it, right. I did it in unison with you. Save you the trouble. I mean, right. it's, it's the only way, man, he just, he just looks so good out there, man. And, and especially in the number eight, I can't wait for him to, to score a goal a la Frank Lampard and get himself, get, you know, get the account open. Um, I, you know, he's dying to score. Uh, and, oh, yeah. and I think, I think once Enzo gets one, it's going to be the first of many. I think he has the potential to be a double digit goal scorer for us this year. I'd love to see that happen, but uh, yeah, bro. We got we got West Ham away this weekend. Hammers aren't looking so hot, man. We got to start stacking some points. I really hope we can go out and take it to him, punch him in the mouth. Absolutely. I want to throw one other thing out there to you. I'm assuming do you know who Tony Bloom is. Of course. So it's been really bothering me. Really bothering me because obviously all this shit where we've been getting fleeced by Brighton and. Yeah, you know, having a all right. Caicedo's career will determine whether we overpaid or not. The market for this, that, that that position will determine all of that. But obviously, I, th- I think we can all agree that when we started off a bidding process at like sixty or sixty-five mil, which is a low-ball offer, hoping that we could land at eighty or ninety, and we drop one fifteen. That's a lot of cash, right? We paid we paid a significant premium for this player, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting right there. I'm like, this motherfucker, Tony Bloom. Who the fuck is this guy? Because again, like you're going up against like you're you're a small or you're an overachieving small club. So it's like, who are you to continue to act like this and to do this to us? And I was like, I looked this dude up. He's a professional poker player. He earned his fortune on tables. Fucking throwing bluffs with too high, dude. This guy. For all the for all the accolades and all the things that we've said about Todd Bowley and Badada Bali and their commitment and them just saying like we're going to get this shit done, Tony Bloom might be the best executive in the 
this, mean, this this fucking dude just he'll sit there and he'll just hold the cards. There ain't no pressure on him. There's no face oh. in his game. He's gonna sit there and just make you continually rain chips into the pot, and then he's gonna take it down. What he did here with this negotiation, and then somehow roping Liverpool into this thing and working it, dude, that guy is a shark. I want nothing to do with another Brighton no, player as long as not. he's in charge of, on the other end of the table. That, that guy guy's is got balls that can fit inside a dump ridiculous. truck. Like it's just he's, no more. He's Go to other clubs. There's, there's talent everywhere. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Get him at Strasbourg. I don't want to play with him anymore. Uh, well, excellent commentary, my man. Love doing this. Excellent points. Love talking some chels with you. If you do like what you hear, give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a comment. We love you out there. America is blue, and we'll talk to you soon.